welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Devjani H. Mishra, an attorney with Littler, about how employers should manage COVID-19 concerns in the workplace. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of EHS Daily Advisor, and I'm joined today by Devjani Mishra, uh, a leader of Littler's COVID-19 Task Force and Return to Work team. Um, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. And you know, we're talking about, um, you know, as people are returning to work, you know, there's a lot of issues with uh, COVID vaccinations and, um, you know, sort of dealing with the folks who are vaccinated and those who aren't. Um, so I, I guess, you know, before we get into that, I was hoping you'd tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what you do with Littler. Sure. So I am a shareholder in uh, Littler's New York City office. Uh, although I haven't mostly been in the New York City office for the last year and a half or so while we've been working remotely. Uh, and I uh, have been with Littler for a number of years. Prior to that, I was in-house uh, for a number of years. So I come at this as a lawyer with experience advising management uh, previously through leave of absence, accommodation, the whole range of employee uh, relations issues that can come up. Uh, about a year and a half ago with the uh, start of the pandemic, Littler created a task force of lawyers who you know, also do other things, but really were focusing in on the issues around COVID-19, uh, business restrictions, you know, whether people could be open or not, how to deal with um, EHS issues, exposure control issues and all that. And so that's been a, an overwhelming part of my focus for the past, uh, I'm not even going to say what number of days, but it might be 514. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> well, and, and there's so much to talk about. I mean, uh, getting to the topic at hand, um, how should employers establish policies for you know dealing with vaccinated and unvaccinated workers? Sure. Well, you know, one thing to really focus on is uh, where employers are operating because an unusual facet of the way that we've dealt with this particular pandemic is that there have been very different approaches in different states and localities. Um, so some of us who can remember previous uh, virus issues, whether it's H1N1 or uh, other issues that have come up before, it was much more of a centralized response. Um, in terms of you know following CDC guidance, having more or less uniform policies in different places, uh, this pandemic really played out differently. You know, just from the beginning, um, there were sort of different types of restrictions coming from California, from Washington State, and so on, places where COVID was first emerging, um, and that that has more or less continued throughout. And we see that now because we've got uh, as many people listening will be familiar, very different vaccination rates and transmission rates all around the country. And so part of establishing employer response is just looking to the different guidance that may exist in the different states where you do business. Um, that can include anything from um, how you go about getting information as to whether people are vaccinated, um, how you get that information for maybe your non-employees who are interacting with your employees in your workplace, if you can get that information. Um, and really, the CDC continues to be the best centralized 
um, place to look for guidance as to what you should be doing. Um, we saw that just yesterday on the 27th when the CDC issued brand new guidance for people who are fully vaccinated that really looks at you know, transmission statistics uh, in the region where you are. Um, so employers should be looking to establish good exposure control plans that take into account all these factors. Who in the workforce is vaccinated? How do people work? Um, are they able to maintain separation if they're unvaccinated? Um, are they able to continue wearing masks if they're unvaccinated? Um, and in some cases, with the new CDC guidance, they may have to revisit wearing masks even if they are fully vaccinated. Um, but really, there's no substitute for an employer knowing the particular risks uh, in their workplace based on the way that people are working, based on the people who are coming in and going. Um, and for a lot of employers, frankly, this may cause them to reconsider whether they're bringing as many people back into the workplace. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, does this, you know, does this sort of discourage the return to work? Does this kind of, you know, the fact that there may be still a lot of people who are unvaccinated and, you know, obviously with the variants and all that stuff popping up, you know, are employers sort of reconsidering and maybe, you know, deciding to have more remote work going on for a longer period of time? I think we're definitely seeing that. Um, we were seeing that somewhat last week in advance of the CDC guidance. A lot of employers who were targeting Labor Day kind of in a back to school, back to work way uh, as their date that people would be coming back in are now checking those plans, um, trying to figure out, you know, do we need to slow roll that? Do we need to stretch that out a little bit? Um, and of course, you know, part of the CDC issuing this guidance is that it's available to employees directly. They too can go check the website and see whether the CDC thinks they're in an area of high transmission or substantial transmission. So um, it definitely is uh, causing some employers to pause what they were doing or postpone what they were doing. Uh, but that's been true throughout this. There's always been developments every step of the way. Um, that were causing people to check those those plans. And obviously, like you said, regionally, um, you know, things are, can be different. I, I'm in the Boston area. Things seem to be fairly under control here. But, you know, you, you talk, you hear about Florida, start things are ramping up there again with case numbers and, and all over the country, really. So uh, it, it really depends on where you are, I guess, in terms of what you do. Yeah, I, I think Florida, you know, it's a combination of, of their policies on the ground, but also the summer travel season, right? You've got all these people flying into Florida um, and bringing whatever they're bringing with them. Florida has been relatively limiting in terms of um, not allowing businesses to require vaccination as a condition of entry for patrons or customers. Um, and so that all makes it harder for Florida employers. If you're operating restaurants, hotels, um, amusement parks, whatever you might be operating in Florida, um, that's a huge number of people coming in that will be interacting with your employees and that'll affect your EHS picture. Um, you know, we always say, I've probably said at least every day for the last couple of weeks, certainly every week throughout the pandemic, COVID doesn't know who you are and it doesn't care. It doesn't know if you're an employee, a contingent worker, a customer, an executive, a visitor. Um, you know, if you are in the workplace, you definitely have the ability to contract COVID and, and to expose others. Um, and the CDC has given us some guidance on how to think about that risk for those who are vaccinated as well now. Um, 
and you know, you mentioned vaccination status and determining that. What are the legalities around that in terms of, you know, can you ask somebody, you know, if if they're vaccinated, are you, are you, you know, are they are you allowed to? I guess does that depend on where you are? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think if there's nothing else people take away, it's important to know that employers absolutely can ask for vaccination status. Um, it is not a HIPAA issue. HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, and there's a lot of confusion about HIPAA. You know, HIPAA relates to information that comes from a healthcare provider. But if you're asking your own employee whether they've been vaccinated, that's information that the employee can give you or not give you, you know, as they choose. But it's not a HIPAA issue. Mm-hmm. Um, employers absolutely can ask and should be asking as they're trying to do their risk assessment whether people are vaccinated. Um, and, you know, in certain states, in California, for example, there may be. Um, formalities around how you go about asking that question. But it's also fair for employers to say, you don't have to answer the question, but if you don't answer the question, we're going to assume for the purposes of our safety protocols that you're unvaccinated and we're going to keep the masking in place. We're going to keep the social distancing in place. You know, we're going to include remote options for meetings. Uh, Maybe we're not going to have certain kinds of in-person meetings, Um, but employers really need to know that in order to make safe decisions about how to how to be operating during this time? Yeah, like um, and for you know, for the sorry, no, uh, I, I also want to note, you know, there's a lot of ways that people work now. If you've got a lot of non-employees in your workplace, you know, temps, contractors, mm-hmm. there are ways to get that information to for your non-employees, um, and it's important to do that. Again, COVID doesn't know who you are, um, so if, if you've got a lot of those folks working on site, you can find that out. Um, the one the one state where it's a little bit tricky at this moment is Montana, um, because Montana has put a rule in place about not discriminating between between uh, people based on vaccination status. Mm-hmm. You can still find out the information in Montana. It just may affect whether you have different rules or not. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, I, and I guess, you know, you mentioned having these different sort of populations, vaccinated and non-vaccinated, um, you know, if they have to work together, um, that makes things a little more difficult, you know, for an employer, I would imagine, right? For sure. Um, one of the things that we said just as soon as the the last set of guidance came out from the CDC is, you know, the CDC is almost always talking to individuals. It's maybe talking to other public health agencies. It's not really telling businesses what to do. As an employer, you kind of have to look around your workplace and say, you know, given who's vaccinated and how many of them there are and how they work, can we have two different roles? Maybe we can't. And, you know, we we have clients who have said, well, based on our numbers, we're just gonna have everyone keep wearing masks for now because there's no easy way to distinguish, you know, who is and who isn't um, or to keep track. And a lot of employers have frankly struggled, you know, from from our numbers, you know, the numbers that we see of transmissions, we can tell that there are people who are unvaccinated who are not following the safety that we would want them to. Um, It's just not, you know, likely if you're in a state that's only 33% vaccinated and you go into a store and no one's wearing a mask, that everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Have there been any legal challenges from people who have, you know, been required to wear a mask or or even be vaccinated, um, you know, and and refuse to do so? We are starting to see those. There have been a number of cases 
in the past few weeks that have been handed down on this. Um, the, the case of Houston Methodist Hospital got a lot of attention right. because um, this is one of the early programs to mandate vaccines for healthcare workers. And in that program, they did have exceptions for um, individuals with uh, disabilities or individuals with um, sincerely held religious objections to the vaccine. But if you just didn't want to get the vaccine, um, you would not be exempted. And uh, a number of individuals brought a challenge to that. Federal District Court in Texas sided with the hospital um, that, yes, the hospital could require the vaccine. Uh, we also had a case uh, involving Indiana University uh, several days ago, which imposed a vaccine mandate for students, faculty, et cetera, similar result. Um, so it, it's clear that employers can mandate the vaccine, and we are seeing challenges from individuals um, who are arguing that they should not have to be vaccinated, um, and even starting to challenge whether they um, you know, can be tested for COVID. There are individuals arguing that. And there are individuals arguing about masking and that they shouldn't be required to mask. Um, but what it really comes down to is, you know, this is a virus and there needs to be a way for people to work safely. And it's it's very few people who can perform their jobs entirely without any in-person contact uh, with anyone else. Um, so I think, you know, we're going to start to see more and more of these challenges. Um, and historically, at least prior to now, um, there was usually a, a bias in favor of safety um, in the face of something like this. When you have a virus that's that's killed hundreds of thousands of people in this country, millions of people around the world, you know, employers definitely have a good faith reason why they would want people to avoid getting the virus, avoid transmitting it to others. Have you seen? I mean, I know that, like, certainly from a health standpoint, we haven't seen anything like COVID before. But you know, you know, you mentioned there have been other sort of viruses that have wreaked havoc, but have, have you seen anything like even comparable to, to this in terms of like, you know, what employers are dealing with and, and you know, uh, the resistance to, you know, vaccine and, and even masks? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think it's important to recognize that what employers are having to deal with now is not really something that we've seen before. Um, people often talk about the Spanish flu. Obviously, everything about the landscape was different 100 years ago. Um, but part of what employers are really struggling with now is that it is not normally the role of an employer to be this involved in safety in most workplaces. Um, probably, certainly the workplaces you and I work in, um, but for most, you know, offices, for <laughs> Um, you know, many tech companies for law firms, et cetera. It's, it's not generally been normal that employers are get super involved in setting safety rules um, or in asking certain questions of employees. And then you look back at the last year and a half and we've sort of just accepted that an employer will ask you, you know, how do you feel today? What is your temperature? Where have you been lately? Who are you with? How long were you there? Please observe this quarantine. And now we're getting into, you know, are you vaccinated? Um, this is not familiar ground for most employers. And I think many of them are really struggling with this new role of having to ask about a medical decision. Um, most, most employers, if they've been involved in this, have really only looked at things like the flu shot and very right. few employers outside healthcare have required flu shots. Um, usually, Vaccinations are dealt with for children as a condition of entering school. And by the time 
you get to the age where you're going to be working anywhere, you know, you basically have herd immunity. Um, so this this is tricky. It's it's not something we've seen before. And I think what a lot of employers are hoping for is action from the FDA um, to get us out of the emergency status for the vaccines. Uh, I think something that will also make a difference is what we're seeing this week from the city of New York, the state of California, where public authorities are saying we're going to mandate the vaccine. I think that makes people a little more comfortable with the idea of telling employees what to do about this. Um, yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, just getting involved with sort of health and safety more than than employers ever have before. I mean, you know, I can remember instances of being in the office when somebody's clearly ill and coughing away when they should be working from home. I can't imagine there's going to be much patience for that going forward. If somebody comes in with clear symptoms, uh, you know, we're going to start seeing people get sent home more often, I would think. I think that's absolutely right. And I will confess, you know, as a lawyer, I'm guilty of that behavior myself. I have gone to the work uh, to the workplace with pneumonia. I, I will not do that again. Yeah. I think people are so sensitized now to this issue that, you know, in a lot of workplaces, you'll be ridden out of the office on a rail if you try to come in with your annual, you know, hacking cough or whatever right. it is, your allergies. Right. But, you know, we have to recognize, too, that part of the, the issue here is that in a lot of places, people don't have paid sick leave. Um, so it, it, it's no coincidence. I think if you look at the states where transmission is lower, vaccination is higher, those also tend to be states where paid sick leave is more readily available. Um, we have seen the problem that in places where it's not or where people have used it up, um, people who may be symptomatic are possibly, you know, popping some aspirin and just going to work because there's fear of losing pay. Um, and so having some kind of sick leave available for people, I think, is part of the safety equation and employers should be thinking about it th that way. Um, OSHA has also, you know, said the same thing. Think of sick leave as part of your response plan for COVID because you don't want people just chancing it, you know, popping some Advil or whatever and, and going into work. Yeah, I would imagine it would also kind of change how you lay out an office too. We were, you know, kind of, my office hasn't reopened really yet. And, you know, we have, we have rows and rows of cubes. I mean, you know, in normal circumstances, yeah. you can spread a lot of the germs that way. Uh, so I, I wonder if a lot of businesses are, are incurring expenses to, you know, kind of, you know, either put up barriers or space people out more. I mean, I imagine a lot of that's going on. There's definitely a lot of that going on. I mean, you mentioned you're in Boston. I know a few years ago, you know, open plan was all the rage. Let's take down all the walls. You know, and now I think there are some some real estate folks and some finance people walking around these big spaces saying, you know, okay, how can we how can we turn this into something workable? Um, you know, for a lot of folks, it really will be an extended period of, okay, people are going to be remoting in for a while. Um, but you know, you think of all of these these rooms that were created, the the you know, special conference rooms and the pod rooms and all of that, you know, all of that safety has to be looked at. Um, people are looking at their ventilation systems in a way they never have before. So, um, you know, I, I joke with some of my colleagues that I'm not really a safety lawyer, but in some ways we're all having to become safety lawyers yeah. um, at this point in time. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the flu vaccination and, you know, that, that obviously has been a uh, for healthcare, certainly a big concern in years past of, you know, having employees 
get vaccinated and there's been resistance to that. Um, do you see other vaccinations becoming, you know, kind of mandatory just to, to limit the amount of, you know, illness that's spread in an, in an office setting? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, you may see some employers pushing flu a little bit harder because there's been this question all along of, you know, well, what if someone who seems like they might have COVID only has the flu? Um, and we've started to learn that flu is maybe more serious than we thought it was. On the other hand, you know, the flu vaccines are probably less effective against any given flu than the COVID vaccines are against COVID and flu is less dangerous. So it's, it's a weird comparable um, there may be some environments where people say, you know, we're going to require both of these vaccines because we want to be sure if we quarantine you for two weeks, we're quarantining you for the right reason. You know, we don't want people to be out for the flu for two weeks when it's not COVID. But I think part of that is also going to be addressed by better testing um, and more testing being available. You know, we're definitely at a point now where people should be able to get COVID tests pretty quickly and rule out um, COVID if it's really the flu. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Definitely that's going to be more on the table than it ever has been before. And employers who weren't pushing flu vaccines will probably be looking at that harder. Um, and obviously, you know, this thing, this pandemic has gone on way longer than we ever thought it would. Um, you know, do you expect this to just be an ongoing concern, you know, going forward? It, it really does seem like this is going to be with us for a while. Like if you had asked me a year ago, I think most people thought there was going to be a day when we declared COVID over, you know, sort of like they do in the movies. Today is our Independence Day or something. <laughs> yeah. There would be parades and parties in Times Square. Um, and then I think we thought maybe it was just an issue of, right, well, we're moving sort of in the right direction. It's going to be slow, but we're going to get there. Um, I think what we've seen with the Delta variant and cases over the last few weeks is kind of the realization of, you know what, this is going to be with us for a while. Um, definitely people with international operations, you know, it's it's all over the map. A lot of the stuff that you can do in the U.S. doesn't apply there. You can't necessarily require the vaccine or even ask if people have been vaccinated. And of course, vaccines are not nearly as available um, as they are here. You know, here we're having a very strange conversation, you know, on a daily basis about whether people are choosing to get vaccinated in the rest of the world. There's largely no choice. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it is something that's going to be with us for a while. We probably do have to shift part of the conversation to how do we make our safe ourselves as safe as possible? You know, if this is going to be endemic, if this is going to be with us. You know, I read something this morning that said, you know, as we're thinking about this, there are other endemic coronaviruses that are just with us. Most of them cause something like the cold. Right. And it may be that if you're vaccinated, you know, what COVID causes is a really bad cold. I think the thing we have to keep our eye on is that as long as we have big populations of unvaccinated people, we can keep getting new variants and we may end up with variants that are vaccines are less effective against. So that's what we have to watch for. Um, but, you know, yes, this conversation about safety, about exposure control, I think this is going to be with us for a while, especially as long as it's a choice whether people are going to be vaccinated or not. 
Um, so, so bottom line, you know, if you were advising a, a, an employer who's you know looking to you know reopen their office in September, um, you know, what's your, what's sort of your uh, your basic uh, your basic guidance for them as they look at this issue? You know, I, I think you really have to take an honest look at yourselves as an organization and figure out what it is you're prepared to do um, and stand behind. And so we've seen different variations of this question over time. You know, what if someone doesn't want to wear a mask? You know, well, it's a safety issue. You wouldn't say if you're a construction employer, what if someone doesn't want to wear a hard hat? That's not something we give people a choice about, right? You have to wear a mask. Um, you know, if you're unvaccinated, you should be wearing a mask. And if you're fully vaccinated and you're in a high risk area, you should be wearing a mask. Employers have to be willing to, to do that. You know, with um, vaccines, you know, if you want to require the vaccine, there's legal authority for you to do that. But it may be an employee relations issue. Lots of employers report that they're having difficulty um, staffing their workplaces. You know, it may not be the case that if you um, were to terminate people who are unvaccinated, that you can easily replace them with people who are vaccinated. So mm -hmm. employers really have to factor this in as one piece of their whole plan and their whole workplace strategy. Who works for us? Where are we with this? Um, and, you know, in fairness to employers, many of them have formed teams that meet, you know, every two weeks, every week. You know, we know our clients have been living with this every day. There's no issue that's more top of mind than this. Um, but, you know, there's there's really no substitute for trying to develop as specific a plan as you can, given where you are, who your people are, how they work, um, who you uh, interact with. You know, who are your customers? What are they doing? Um, who are your vendors and what are they doing? Um, you know, it's it's incredibly consuming. Um, I can't even tell you how many. Um, calls just like the one you're suggesting I'm going to be having this week or, or this month or, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, but you have to make the best decision you can and you have to be clear and transparent as best you can. And the other thing I would say is, you know, if ever there was a time for employers and employees not to look at each other as opposing sides, it's now, right? Employers have to understand that their employees have been through a lot. Um, it, it seems like it shouldn't need to be said, but employees are coming at this every which way after the past year and a half. Some of them have suffered real losses, personal losses. They've been intensely dislocated by what's happened. You know, they have strong feelings and good ideas. Um, but I joke sometimes that like, if you've ever had any interest in change management as a discipline, now is your time yeah. uh, because it's constant change all day long, every day. And, you know, just just being compassionate, listening, looking for good ideas wherever you can get them, you know, being thoughtful and understanding, you know, some, some people are going to have different priorities. They're going to want to work differently. Um, you know, you need to factor that into your plan. Well, Evgeny, thank you so much for joining me today. This was uh, very uh, illuminating. And obviously, uh, like you said, it's going to keep on changing uh, <laughs> as we go on. So it is yeah, nothing, nothing more true than that. It's going to change. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that wraps up episode 75 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.